Welcome to the second season of the Smarter Apple Spraying podcast series. I'm your host, Mark Gleason, a plant pathologist at Iowa State University. I'm also the leader of a USDA-funded research and outreach project that's looking for more efficient and lower-cost ways to protect apples against diseases and insect pests. The project includes scientists, students, and growers in Iowa and Ohio. Our guest uh, on the uh, Smarter Spraying for Apples podcast series today is Brandon Carpenter. Brandon is a uh, agriculture specialist three. Is that right, Brandon? That's correct. Um, at the uh, Iowa State University Horticulture Research Station, which is about 10 miles north of, of Ames, Iowa. And um, just a little background on you, Brandon. Uh, first, thanks for doing this. Appreciate the time. Um, how did you kind of get to where you are now? And, and uh, just so a little, little background on how you got there. Yeah, uh, I, I started college actually the year I turned 30. Um, <laughs> I, I spent my 20s working concrete uh, wow. in, in northern Colorado first and then in southern California. I, I followed my wife. Uh, she was doing grad school at, at Fort Collins, and then she did a postdoc in San Diego. Hmm. Um, and then when we moved out here, uh, I decided I was I was tired of breaking my back. Um, so I <laughs> I thought I would uh, do you know go to go to school and and get an education and maybe make my life a little easier. Uh, I when I when I looked at what Iowa State offered, um, they had horticulture was something and. I, I had gardened as a hobby uh, most of my 20s to kind of as a you know just way to relax and kind of spend some time in the backyard after work and unwind. And then I thought, well, that's perfect for me. You know, I'll, I'll go into horticulture, um, started an undergrad degree here at Iowa State. And then I, I worked at the horticulture research farm where I work now uh, at the end of my my bachelor's um, I, I decided I wanted to have a job here, you know, permanent job here at the farm. I loved working here. And so I just kind of, I kind of lucked out into a position that uh, Mark Honeyman had, had created just around that time where they were sending students through grad school and going to pay through, you know, pay through the, through the farm. It would give the farm some labor in the summertime. And then, you know, it would help to educate, um, you know, and, and, and prepare professionals for agriculture research and science here in Iowa. And uh, so I was, I was one of the first two students to go through that program. And then I've been here ever since. So I basically started as an undergrad in 2008 and got my, got my master's degree in 2014, got the full-time job and I haven't left the farm since. So it's been <laughs> That is a fascinating story, uh, Brandon, and I did not realize uh, that you were actually a concrete expert too. So, have you have have you poured your own driveway and that sort of thing? Or no, uh, I had some concrete work done at the house last year, and I paid to have it done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you were you were a very good critic of it, though. <laughs> well, fantastic! That that's a really interesting background. Um, okay, so what we're really talking today about today is something that you've had fairly recent experience with just the last couple of years, and. Um, project that that uh, you know we're involved in with this uh, thing called the intelligence prayer which is a really a tree crop 
sprayer, uh, you know, whether or, or people use it for grapes too, but um, mostly it's uh, you know, perennial crops and largely trees. And in our case, we're using it for apples uh, at the Horticulture Research Station. And um, you've been involved in this project from the start uh, because you kind of brought this baby back from the hospital yeah. uh, <laughs> where it was made in Indiana. Uh, yep. and, and so, um, uh, how did you how did you kind of get started with it other than you know showing up in indianapolis to pick it up from the factory uh, uh what how did you kind of get it going so that was i mean that was basically it um i i know we had we had talked uh you know about getting it and then um for you know research purposes to to help with with research you were doing and and you know at the same time the idea of saving on pesticides for the farm was really um, an attractive idea, you know, if you can save the amount of pesticide you're putting out, that's always a good thing. And so, you know, I had been a little bit involved before the trip to Indi Indiana, but really it started for me at the trip to Indiana. Uh, we went to the company, uh, Smart Guided Systems, and, and they had put that we had sent them a, a air blast sprayer. And the, the neat thing about this is they can put it on any air blast sprayer that, that you want. If you've got one that you like that you've had for 10 years, or if you want to buy a new one and just have, like we did, we sent them a new sprayer um, because we'd had some trouble with our old one finding parts for it. It was out of date. And, mm -hmm. and uh, so we sent them a new sprayer. They hooked it up. And then we went out, uh, we went out to Indianapolis to their, to their headquarters and spent a day. It was a day and a couple of hours, really the next day, uh, setting it up. We, you know, they, they had hooked everything up and gotten it running pretty much, but they wanted to sh walk us through the steps on calibrating it. How, you know, how do you, how do you judge um, each nozzle where it's going to spray, how much, you know, that way that um, LIDAR system is looking, you know, let's say it's looking at the, the area between 18 inches and, and 24 inches for one nozzle. You got to figure out how, you know, what span of space each one of those nozzles should be spraying in uh, so it's spraying the right part for the right you know the right density of tree um, and we, so we walked through that with them um, we calibrated the machine there was a lot in in learning um, how how to calibrate it because it's it's it works differently uh, you know if you if you're used to a normal calibration you're doing gallons per acre and, and gallons breaker is something everybody uses, uh, you know, it's, I'm not going to say it's easy, but once you get it, once you get the idea of how gallons per acres work, it's pretty much the same overall sprayers, you know, whether you're doing a boom sprayer or air blast sprayer. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, if you read any spray guide, you know, from a university or even a company, it's going to be in gallons per acre, right? I mean, yeah. at least for tree crops. Yeah. And, and the recommendations on all chemicals are gallons per acre or, uh, pounds of active product per acre, you know, there's something per acre that you can figure out if you just have those starting numbers. Uh, the way this, this system works is the computer is actually looking to spray uh, a number of ounces and it's, it's little, I forget what it is right off the bat, but I think it's like 0.05 to 0.19 or something um, ounces per cubic or cubic yeah it's it's really a it's a different kind of number isn't it we're not yeah. gallons per acre and we're really talking about i mean the engineers have, who developed this system if, if i'm correct they figured it out in terms of volume on the tree in other words it's a yep. tree canopy measurement 
But if I understand correctly, correct me if I'm wrong here, Brandon, because you've calibrated this thing and I haven't. But um, that's that's what the engineers need. But um, in a way, the tree does some of the work for you, doesn't? I mean, I should say the sprayer does some of the work for you because it um, it's looking at the tree and and just dispensing as much as it needs right so yeah i mean in, in a way it's as an outsider to this it seems like simpler to me but just a little more funky to understand what's going on yeah and it's it's really easier i i think you're right it's really easier to still believe you're doing gallons per acre um when we calibrate you know when we calibrate the the nozzles because every year you have to calibrate the nozzles to make sure there hasn't been wear on the nozzles and instead of putting out 100 gallons per acre, one of your nozzles might be putting out 110 gallons per acre. This is just uh, what you would do with the standard air blast as well, yep. right? Exactly, yeah. every standard air blast. So every year you have to calibrate it anyways. Um, and it's, it's, you calibrate it by gallons per acre. And, and the way you do that is you, you tell the computer to just open the nozzle full bore. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be your gallons per acre is the maximum output that nozzle can do at that speed so you know whatever speed you set and and it's you know same as calibrating anything you you've got to calculate the speed in and everything else but really what you're aiming for if you back calculate is that ounces per nozzle per minute you know because you want to get that to calibrate you're getting a, an ounces out of a nozzle per minute you'll run a minute time or a half a minute time and, and calculate that out and then with your miles per hour that tells you what your maximum output is yeah, and these nozzles are way different, aren't they? I mean, they are. they're they're what do they call them? Solenoid uh, controlled nozzles. And yep. if I'm correct, on a standard air blast, you know, they're on or they're off. But yep. these guys are are sort of sputtering on and off, depending on what the laser, the lidar system, is telling them uh, in terms of their area of the canopy. Is it is there a lot? Is there a little? How much do they do? Um, yep. So so. Getting back to your idea that, you know, really we can still calibrate in gallons per acre, but we're thinking about the coverage differently, aren't we? So, yeah. I mean, uh, you look at the experiments that we did in, in Iowa and our collaborators in Ohio, and they're showing, I don't know, 45, 50% savings on spray volume. We don't change the concentration of the yeah. pesticides, but but as a rough kind of figure, you could say that you're covering about twice the acres with a tank as you would be with a standard air blast. At least that's what we're we're seeing. Yeah, and 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 the first you know the first year was really kind of the most difficult to get that down because I you know I would have been used to putting out you know a full tank of 300 gallons to go do three quarters of of the the orchards we had. And that year, it might have taken 200 gallons to do the entire orchard early in the season might have even been less than that. Because if it doesn't see a leaf, it doesn't spray a leaf, you know, it, it, it's going by the density of that canopy. And so there were there were a couple of times where I came back with 20 gallons still in the in the tank. And then you, you know, then you've got other issues that you have to deal with. So I got to where I, you know, the, I did that once or twice, and then I got to where I would, I would underestimate by quite a bit what mm -hmm. I think I needed out, you know, out in the field, and then I would go uh -huh. spray, and then I would, I would tell myself, okay, I've done three quarters of the orchards, I, you know, I, I sprayed 200 gallons, now if I, you know, if I just do another, you know, 75 gallons or 50, you know, whatever it was, um, I, I, I'll get to the end, and I was 
pretty close. There were a couple of times I ran out a couple of trees before the end and I, you know, I just, oh, that's good enough, you know, for, for that. Um, so there, there's a take home message right there, I think, Brandon, and it's the, it's the volume that you're kind of zeroing in on for your orchard, right? And, yeah. and I guess the other funky bit of that or, or the other learning curve of that, if I'm correct, is that, you know, the intelligent sprayer in the, in the spring, it doesn't see a lot of foliage, so it doesn't spray much. Later on, you have all the foliage and it sprays more. Um, that's just the way that works. Uh, so that's another thing you learn besides how much volume am I putting on for my blocks, my orchard blocks. Also, uh, I'm going to use less in the spring than I am. I'm going to use less in mid-April than I am in the end yeah. of May. Yeah, so the savings, you know, I, I, I know you guys are working on the economics of the savings, but in, in just my subjective view, when I was when I was doing the sprays, I think I was save, saving more like 75%. So I was doing maybe a quarter of the normal spray volume early in the season. Yeah. And then as the season went along, I was probably up closer to 80 to 90% of the total spray volume. Uh, but overall for the year, I saved money. I knew I saved money. And, and we have uh, seven acres, or we had before the derecho came through, we had seven <laughs> acres of apple orchards. And, you know, I, a 60% savings on, on just that, we figured it would have paid for that sprayer in the first three, three to four years, wow. we could have sprayed, you know, the paid the sprayer off. And so, you know, to us, that was well worth it to have the, you know, little technology, little price of technology is worth a lot when you're, you know, you're, you're helping not spray the, you know, the environment with all this, you know, all this uh, pesticides and, and you're saving on money in, you know, every year is nice too. Um, one of the things that, uh, you know, if you look at, it's completely subjective really, but when you watch behind the sprayer, our old sprayer, we ran it at about 200 gallons per acre. And this was, this was one of the things that, uh, smart guided systems told us and, and uh, Dr. Zhu told us was, was really hard to get growers to understand was you didn't need 200 gallons per acre on most products. You know, most products, 100 gallons per acre is, is a sufficient plenty to get the coverage you need, even if you're just going full bore, no intelligent sprayer. You know, people often, you want it, they wanted to do, they would do the same active ingredient amount per spray, but they would increase their volume. So they got this, you know, till that was dripping off basically was yeah. what they were looking for. And, and you don't necessarily need that. And, no. And, and, and just, if I could just elaborate on that a little bit, because um, Liv Meyer, who's both your employee and my student, who's actually doing a lot of the work on this project at the work firm, um, you know, she also looked at, at this issue that Dr. Bingju, the guy who developed this prayer, um, uh, you know, put forth, and that—that's this issue of spray coverage. And I think that's where you're going. Yeah. And she she had these little water-sensitive papers, which you know a lot of a lot of people who use sprayers will use to figure out, you know, when you put these things on the tree, are they actually delivering, giving you the good coverage? And yeah. um, you know, she she compared the regular air blast mode with the um, intelligent sprayer mode that uses the lidar, and you looked at those spray cards, and they looked almost identical. And, you know, it was, it was a very, you know, even coverage on those spray cards. Um, and then, I mean, she was just, she was just spraying water. If you put a, if you put a spreader in there, you're going to get even more. Yeah. And, and a lot of these are, are systemic and they're going to be uh, absorbed and, and furthermore redistributed by water. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I think that's a that's an interesting challenge, isn't it? The idea of um, you know getting away from the concept of uh, spray to drip. Yeah, we don't necessarily have to do that, you know, because we're you know a lot of that drip, of course, is is wasted, and and um, we don't need to blanket the leaf to have really effective coverage. And that you know that's one of our purposes of the project is to see okay, if we do this, are we going to sacrifice? You know, pest insect control. Are going to sacrifice disease control? And so far, the answer has been no. Yeah. Well, and and you know, where I was going with that was, you know, we did we did the 200 gallons per acre on most every spray we did when before we got this intelligent sprayer, uh, and then on you know on your early stuff with uh, with the uh, dormant oils and stuff, we would even do a dilute 400 gallons per acre, and and you know which is really I mean you're really soaking the trees down with that. Um, and we always, the funny thing was in those days, you knew where the, the sprayer was at any given time. Cause you saw a cloud, you know, you just see a cloud of mist going through the orchard. You never had a problem knowing where the sprayer was. I actually have to look for, or listen for the sound of the tractor when Liv is operating it to, to know if she's out there or not. I can't look out anymore over the tops of the trees and see this plume. And to me, that speaks volumes about you know how much you know how much of that is is staying where we want it and and going exactly where we want it where you know in in the other you know with the other sprayer a lot of that product might have been you know on other parts of our farm that we weren't intending to to spray iowa is almost never windless <laughs> unless you're spraying at midnight and nobody really yeah. enjoys that you know i have had phone calls from growers on the tractor at midnight and that's the only time they could get that was quiet enough yeah you're listening to the smarter apple spraying podcast series i'm your host mark gleason our three-year project is searching for more profitable and less wasteful ways to control diseases and pests on apples now back to our interview Here's a question that's more technical, Brandon, but might be of interest to growers. Um, I've heard from Liv that um, it's a little bit important that you prune properly so that you, you, you're kind of setting a distance between the nozzles and the start of the canopy. And, and you want that distance to be a, within a range, right? So you don't want, of course, you never want this, but you don't want a situation where the, where the tree branches between rows are kind of impinging too much and that could you know potentially throw off the sprayer a little bit so could you comment on that yeah um i i think it's probably important with all you know any any spraying you're going to do in the orchards at all uh but it does you know it does pose particular problems with the lidar if you've got a um i i don't know what the technical term for this type of pruning is i call it a poodle cut <laughs> where you know sometimes we'll get a student that'll prune every side branch off of a branch and leave the end cluster of, of leaves you know mm. so it's it's almost like the branch the the scaffold branch coming out of the tree is completely bald until you get out to the end and there's a big ball oh, of, oh, of, dear. Oh, of dear. vegetation that, out that there. can't that, that can't be right uh, yeah it's, <laughs> it's not it's not a good way to it's not a good way to prune but if you've got that you know if you've got that really dense canopy out at the end of the branch it's the the lidar it will sense denseness all the way to what you put you know so i think if we've got a uh if we've got a 14 or a 15 foot row we've got it set to go so it's measuring from the middle of the tractor 
which you would assume would be the middle of the alleyway, uh, it'll measure out, um, it would be eight and a half feet for a, a 14 foot, or yeah, no, eight feet for a 14 foot row and eight and a half feet for a, a, a 15 foot row. So we're going a foot past that, that trellis line or the center line of, of the apple tree row. Right, and what right. that gives us with that LIDAR is it, it, it ensures that we're not going to be skipping. If we're going down one row and back up the next row, we're not going to be skipping a, a section, a foot long section in the canopy. If we're a little bit off, you know, it's hard to have drive. a little bit of overlap there. Yeah. 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 And it, it's, it's really hard to uh, drive a straight line, uh, you know, for, for Liv, especially when she's running her experiments and she's trying to, she's trying to gauge exactly when to start and stop that, that sprayer on each one of her treatment blocks, she's often looking behind herself. So you may get a foot off one way or the other and then have to correct as you, you know, as you turn back around and see where you're at. And so it's, it's kind of nice to give yourself that cushion so that that LIDAR is reading to the, just a little past the center of the tree. Got it. If there's okay. a lot of foliage out deep mm -hmm. into the, the row, it's not going to see as well past that. It's like, I you know, see. So in other yeah. words, that poodle cut that you described that, that your hourly sometimes mistakenly do, that would be like putting a, putting a screen over the outside of the tree. And it's really hard to see beyond that screen. Yep. Yeah. I got it. Okay. And yeah. And so a commercial orchard probably, um, you know, wouldn't, <laughs> subject to what do you call undergraduate stress i guess yeah um, yeah they should they shouldn't they shouldn't be that way and we don't i you know we don't get students like that every year or no, even no. every couple of years but well, every once in a while you'll get a student that they, they turn the headphones up high and uh, kind of lose where they are yep got it um well um no 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 need no no uh not no intent to bash undergrads but uh yeah that's just a learning curve um yeah. here's another question okay so You've got a lot of different kinds of orchards at the Hort Farms, the small blocks, relatively. Yep. And, you know, growers oftentimes have a situation where they might have, you know, uh, what, one meter spacing and a newer block. And then they've got, you know, two meter spacing and older blocks. And so when they go from block to block, they're changing. And so do they need to make an adjustment when they're going from blocks of different, let's say, uh, I mean, not so much tree age, but 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 uh, row spacing and tree spacing. Yeah, so the the tree spacing is not as much of a issue because the computer is going to see the tree wherever the tree is. Okay. So if you've okay, got a, you know if you had a twenty foot gap between trees, it wouldn't spray until you got to the next tree. Right. Right. Uh, but okay. the the row spacing is is critically important, and okay. we we have so Liv has set up when when I was doing it that first year. And then a couple of times I, I did it a couple of times while Liv was here, but she had it set up the new way. Uh, but when I was doing it, I would just go in and change that row spacing. I knew what my row spacings on my orchards were and I would just change the row spacing. And then, you know, like, like young people often do, they come and show you how, you know, a program actually works. And, and she, you know, she had set up to where each orchard was named and she already had a spray, um, a card set up for each orchard. So all you have to do is you, you go in and you pick, you know, the, the honey crisp orchard and you know what that that's going to be spraying the right distance. So this is almost like a macro. There's a tablet there in the, in the cab of the tractor and you just hit, Oh, that orchard. And she's already programmed in the, uh, the, the, uh, the row spacing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh. It, it's not hard to, you can just hit the row spacing on the tablet and actually change it. Even if you're in that program, 
Uh -huh. um, I see. And, and I see. You, so it wasn't hard for, I, I found the easiest way to do it maybe um, if you're not uh, complete computer literate, uh, but she actually found an easier way. You just have to put a lot of front work into it. Uh, get those, get those each orchard listed onto your computer. And then, you know, it's a, it's an easy job. That, that, that does sound like a younger person's type of thing. Don't they <laughs> took, did, did the, uh, did the, uh, the sophisticated thing. Okay. Um, well, this is really good. And I, I think um, if you're comparing the learning curve for, you know, a, a standard air blast sprayer to the intelligence barrier, which is obviously just a modified air blast, um, would you say it's going to take a grower, you know, weeks or months or years to learn to use this properly? I I would say hours. Um, you know, really, at the 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 customer support at Smart Guided Systems has been tremendous. Okay. We've had some we we've had some issues with with technology. Um, uh, one of the one of the biggest issues we had was our so the the smart guided system uses both the Wi-Fi of the tablet and the Bluetooth, and so I I think I I think that your your GPS and uh, I think the GPS is hooked up to the to the uh, Bluetooth, oh. and there might be something else hooked up to the Bluetooth, uh -huh. and then the computer system oh the 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 GPS and the computer system are both hooked up through Bluetooth. Okay. There's All not right. enough bandwidth on the Bluetooth to also run the LiDAR. So the, the LiDAR system is hooked through the Wi-Fi of the tablet. Okay. And if your tablet connects to your Wi-Fi system at the, uh, at the time we only had Wi-Fi up here at the main office. Ah, okay. And, and the so tablet would hook coverage. up to that Wi-Fi system. Oh. It wouldn't allow you to hook up to the LiDAR. And I, I was out there for an hour one day, just, you know, I, I would turn it off and on. I had, you know, I'd done all the tricks that I had learned and finally gave up and called them. And they, you know, the uh, Troy down there, a smart guided system said, well, what's your Wi-Fi say? And I, <laughs> you know, so I went to the Wi-Fi and it said Hort Farm, you know, on the Wi-Fi. Okay. So I told him and he said, oh yeah, un disconnect from the Hort Farm Wi-Fi and, and then your LiDAR will be, a, you know, then start it up and your LiDAR will be able to hook up to the to the um, wi-fi and so now it's happened a few more times but now i know you know when when i can't get the lidar to hook up it's it's a wi-fi issue i see and yeah. so what your recommendation for growers then would be to consider their wi-fi situation here and they may have to do what you did if they're getting frustrated yeah yeah and you can set i think live actually went in again you know the the younger generation i think live actually went in and set uh, the LIDAR to be the, the first Wi-Fi it looks for, you know, so ah. instead of picking the strongest Wi-Fi or, or whatever, however it was picking before, it tries that LIDAR system first. So as long as you have the LIDAR up and going, it'll, it'll hook up to that tablet first when you go out to the tractor and start everything up. It'll lock uh, in. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Got it. And so I well, think she you. fixed the issue. Thank goodness for younger people. Yeah. <laughs> what would we do without them? Um, well, this has been super helpful. Can you think of anything off, else off the top of your head, Brandon, that, you know, would be useful for a grower who's um, just, you know, I mean, you can read all the stuff online about it and so forth, but uh, any other sort of tips that you would suggest based on your experience? You know, not really, you know, the calibration, the calibration is, is um, one of the things that, that I think took me the longest hmm. to, to really get 
you know, get my head around. And the reason was, was because, you know, almost exactly what we talked about earlier, I was trying to think about how do I convert this, this known information that I have into this new information. And it's not important. Um, you know, you really don't need, you really don't need to change the volume per, uh, per area. So it, you know, if it's ounces per square foot or cubic, cubic foot, I think is what it is. Um, you don't have to change that unless you do a paper test and see, oh, I'm over coverage yeah. or I'm yeah. under coverage. And then you could, you could slide that one way or another. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a nozzle volume. What comes out the nozzle and, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I think you zero in on that. I lived it uh, zero in on that fairly quickly um yep. it's of course you know you if you put on too much you won't gain any you won't you won't conserve spray yep. uh but if you uh if you dial down to the sweet spot you save a lot of spray and you're still getting good coverage and there's a lot of guidance i think uh, from smart guided and and uh, people who have used these things to you know think about what's the optimum we're using i think 0.06 right now and um, so far, that's done a pretty good job for us. Um, I mean, there is still a learning curve, but um, I think the longer you, we're not selling the product, obviously, but we're recommending it even, but the, the longer a grower uses it, the probably the the less of an issue that will be. And and you mentioned yeah. the volume per acre situation or the, you know, um, I mean, uh, 100 gallons per acre. But if you mix a sprayer, you're just going to get more acres out of the same volume. That's what it yeah. sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the way to think of it. It's the same mix, but you're going to go farther with it. Yeah, exactly. So the, the concentration always going to be the same in the tank. It's mm -hmm. just the number of gallons total you're going to use will, will, will change. Uh, we did have, we did have an issue with um, dormant oils. So we still want mm -hmm. to put dormant oils on pretty thick. You know, yep. It, yep. it's, it's kind of nice to put those on thick. And last year, even running the, the biggest spray nozzles I could get from T-Jet, uh, we were not meeting that. I wanted, I was aiming, I think, for 200 gallons an acre. And what it ends up is those, those, uh, those solenoids that, you know, that are cycling, basically they're cycling or, or they're, you know, it's, um, it can be all the way on where it locks open, but that solenoid is restricted enough that it wouldn't allow you know that that through without going to a tremendous pressure you know and, and that's and that would of course not maybe not smother your your crawlers at that stage as quickly yep. as you want the insect uh, treatment to smother them so yeah. so um you know at least at least the the um the uh intelligence barrier that we have has a has a toggle and you yep. could toggle back to standard mode right is that what you would recommend for that first uh, spray well so I think because it's just the, I, I thought the restriction was at the solenoids themselves. And even if you toggle it on all the time, it, those, those are still going to restrict your spray. So what should you do manual spray? So what should you do then? I mean, how should so, you handle that dormant spray? Well, I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable upping the pressure where I would need to get mm. it to, to put out the volume that I, I, I needed to put out. So mm. what I did was I, you know, I was almost, I was almost there, but not quite. And I just did a calculation on what my ground speed had to be. And I went from a three, a 3.2 miles per hour is I think what we normally spray at to get hundred gallons an acre. And I, I went down to, I, I want to say it was two, two miles per hour or, or somewhere right around two miles per hour. Uh, and so my recommendation is just to buy a good audio book 
and slow and it down slow the tractor down yeah slow it down for that one spray yeah yeah and yeah. it's just it's going to be you know if if you've got a if you've got a hundred acre orchard it's going to be a lot more of a nightmare than if you've got seven acres like we have or well yeah acres. just just slower and more more uh, a longer audio book yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this has been super helpful, Brandon. The practical stuff, I, I think, what matters most to growers and, you know, who might be thinking about this. And of course, the economics are going to uh, matter as well. And, uh, you know, we, uh, Wendong Zhang, who's our economist on the project, has been working on that side. We should have some pretty good numbers soon. So uh, we've been uh, talking with Brandon Carpenter, who's an agriculture specialist three at the Horticulture Research Station at Iowa State University. Thanks a lot for your time, Brandon. Appreciate yeah, thanks, Mark. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the second season of the Smarter Apple Spraying podcast series. You can find more episodes in this series at our website. The link is www.smartapplespray.plantpath.iastate.com. Edu. The host for the series is Mark Gleason. Jose Gonzalez is the editor. The Smarter Apple Spraying podcast series is funded by a grant from USDA's Crop Protection and Pest Management Initiative. For more information about the two-state project, contact either Mark Gleason at mgleason at iastate.edu in Iowa or Melanie Lewis-Ivy ivy.14 at osu.edu in Ohio.